Good morning, podcast family. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Rooted Faith Podcast. Pump it up. Pump it up. Pump it jam. Yes, pump it up. We're going to be talking about pumping it up today. Amen. So happy you chose to spend a couple of minutes with me today here. Um, I am excited for what God is doing. Um, I'm excited for all the things that are happening through the Rooted Faith Ministries. If you're new to this podcast, thank you for tuning in. Spending a couple minutes with you. I also want to give a shout out to my weekly subscribers who are praying for us, encouraging us, sharing our testimonies of what God is doing with you through this podcast. To Him be the glory. Amen. So, rooted word for today is self encouragement. Self encouragement. And you're asking yourself, what is a rooted word? What is that? Well, here at Rooted Faith Ministries and this podcast, our intention is to focus on a word. And that's the word self-encouragement today. And that's going to be our rooted word. And the intent with that is that if we can heal the root, it will bring forth a better fruit. Not just for you, but for your future generations to come, right? We are expecting for God to do great things and to heal certain things in our area. So the fruit that we give out, not only in our season, but in our legacy, in our pipeline, our children's 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 up to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth generation can enjoy of the fruits that we're putting forth for them. All right. So let's get to it. Pump it up. Pump it up. Uh, back in the day, Reebok had put up a sneaker called a pump sneaker, right? And it was one of the coolest things ever. Always wanted a pair of, of Reebok pump sneakers. Maybe uh Maybe I'll get me something for Christmas. We don't know. But always wanted a pair of those retro sneakers. Um, and it was cool because it was something different. No one else had anything like that in the market. And um, for those that are you like probably Googling or right now are like, what's a Reebok pump sneaker? Never heard of that. Or what are you talking about? <laughs> um, basically, it had a little pump on the tongue, on the top of the tongue. And the intention for Reebok was that you can pump it and it will inflate your make your make your the give you more support around your ankle or you can deflate it and you can relieve the tension so you can really pump up <laughs> as much as you want to be able to uh have support on your ankles and before you should you just put on your sneaker and whatever it is you used to have to tape it up and wear thicker socks right um, I played basketball a lot when I was when I was younger and have you know have weak ankles. So um, that was the intention. There was never a sneaker that you can play back and forth to the right fitting and kind of customize the right fit for you um, overall. And that was pretty 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 cool. And it got to a point where there's this movie called White Man Can't Jump. If you've never seen it, it's a great movie with uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes, right? And there's this part in the movie where you know. Um, Woody, this white guy, is playing um, basketball, and um, this um, Wesley Stamp goes in to dunk the ball, and Woody's like, hey, I can dunk the ball too, and they're all making fun of him, hey, you can't jump, you know, white men don't dunk, this my whole thing, and he's got a pair of Reebok, Reebok pump sneakers on, right, so he makes a bet with, uh, with him, Woody makes a bet, and says, I bet you I can dunk in three, three shots, it's going to take me three three times. And uh, he goes the first time and he fails, right? And everybody starts making fun of him. He goes the second time 
and he fails. And when he's going to go the third time, someone comes in and he's like, stop, 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 stop. Let me pump up your sneakers. And he literally like drops and starts pumping up his sneaker. And it's like, maybe, maybe you need this. Maybe you need a little bit of flight. You know, maybe you need a little bit of help to get pumped up and be able to dunk. And um, long behold, Woody goes for the third try. He loses. Um, and he loses the bet, loses the money he has hustled all day to go. And um, he has to come home and face his girlfriend and, and tell her that he won the game and she gets all excited, but that he lost all the money in a bet trying to show other people that he can dunk. And um, the look on his face when he lost was so discouraging. Um, you know, the long walk that he had to go to his house and, and face was so tough. Everybody mocking him, making fun of him, him knowing that he has to, he put himself in that situation. He has to confront his wife. So the question I want to ask you today is what to do when there's nobody around to encourage you. And those that are around you either are mocking you, are enjoying your discouragement, or want to destroy you. How do we manage self-encouragement when we're living discouraged moments in our Christian life? How do we encourage ourselves? How do we pump ourselves up in these moments of discouragement that show up, pop up in our lives unplanned, unexpected? Um, King David had one of these moments in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 6. And I want to read so we can have a right context of what's going on at this time in the life of King David. So 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 6 says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the woman and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. And I'm, I'm, I'm captivated by verse 4. It says, David and his men wept loudly. They continued to weep until they had no strength to weep anymore. And this was David's mighty men. This was his band of brothers. This was those that went out to war and put their lives on the line for David, protecting him. This was not just regular guys. These were really strong, courageous men. And they all wept until they had no strength. That's I don't know if you've ever gone through a season in your life where you've wept so much because of the discouragement, because of, of a crisis that has happened in your life where literally you no longer have strength and your eyes no longer produce enough tears because you are just gassed out and tired out, right? And that's how David's men are feeling. That how is That's how David is feeling. And up to this point, in verse five, they're all weeping together, 
They're all crying together. They're all grieving together. They're all discouraged together. They're all crying on each other's shoulders. They're all in this together. But in verse six, there's a shift in the scene. In verse six, there's a shift. It says, now David was greatly distressed for the people talking about his boys, his band of brothers, the soldiers around him spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved every man for his son and his daughter. It says they were grieved. They were in grief. They were in distraught. And David was distressed because his man were not only grieving, they were looking for someone to blame. So they started to plan to kill him. They wanted to kill him with stones and stone David to death. His men were very upset. The Bible is specific. It doesn't say because they lost their wives. It says this man was very upset because they had lost their sons and their daughters. I'm, I'm not putting down a spouse, love and the loss of a spouse. But, but the grief that you experience by the thought or by the act of losing a son and a daughter, it's a very heavy burden to carry that would break the strongest of individuals. You know, there's a saying that says that the, the, the sons and daughters should bury the parents, not the parents bury the sons. But unfortunately, we know that's not the reality of the life that we live in. Many of us have had to carry that burden of burying or losing a son or losing our daughter. And these men are distraught completely, heartbroken, completely discouraged. And I'm here to tell you today that there's going to be times where those who fought by your side in the morning by midday want to kill you. Because their grief of their discouragement is so great that they no longer see you as an ally. They see you as a solution, the short-term solution to satisfy their pain. So they lash out, they reject you, they try to kill you, they conspire against you, and and you're so discouraged because it's not coming from your enemies. It's coming from the inside, the inside attack, the inside intimate brothers, people that you work with, people that you battle with, people that you share scars with, people that you share nights and food and water with. And I'm here to tell you, what do you do? You have to encourage yourself. You have to pump yourself up. And the only way to do this is by seeking God's face and direction. There's no other way of doing this. You can't just will yourself to to encouragement. You have to be able to shift and look at God. You know, when you're leading others, and I'm speaking to leaders here, this, this podcast reaches everyone. And if you're leading others, you know you don't have the luxury to react like others. Okay? David doesn't have the luxury of others. He doesn't have the luxury of throwing his hands up in the air and having a tantrum. He doesn't have the luxury of just saying, you know what, I'm just going to walk away from this situation because the responsibility of leadership does not allow you to do that. As a leader, you don't have the right to react like everyone else reacts. You have to stay cool. 
you have to compartmentalize. You have to create what the late Kobe Bryant calls a mamba mentality. You can't just react. You can't just go off the grid. You can't just go off the cuff as a leader. And that is David's situation. His men are having a tantrum and throwing their hands up in the air. But David has to stay cool because he's leading them. Right? The other day, I'm in the car with my daughter. And um, it's, it's, it's raining a bit, but it's not too bad. And this car comes um, towards, towards my left side and just dumps a whole bunch of water. But she was on her phone on her way to school and that rain just hits the windshield of the car. And literally she just like, ah, and she threw her hands up in the air. Her phone fell on her lap and she got all scared and, oh my God, what happened? What was that? And, you know, I was like, oh, it's just, just a little bit of rain. And I, you know, put the wipers on and kept it going. And she looked at me and she's like, did you not get scared? Like, were you not afraid? And, and I, I use it as a teachable moment because she's, take, she's studying to take her learner's permit and, and getting ready to drive. And I said, yes, I was scared. Yes, it surprised me. And she said, well, why didn't you react? And I responded to her and said, sweetie, I don't have that luxury to lose control because I carry the responsibility of your life and my life in my hands. I don't have the pleasure of reacting. I don't have that luxury of reacting. So let's get back to David. Let's see David pumping himself up in the midst of a murderous mob in the midst of his boys planning to kill him. And I'm here to tell you very interesting, right? When you take a look at all this, David did not move location. He just shifted his perspective. And, and, and you have to be able to shift your perspective while you're still in the scene of discouragement. Oh my God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. David wasn't moved. God didn't take him out of the equation. God didn't remove the crisis from him. David had to make a conscious decision to shift his perspective. And his perspective is written in my mind in Psalms 121, 1 verse 1 and 2. This is how he shifted his perspective. He says, I will lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He shifted his mindset. And there's four things that you have to do in order to shift your mindset and self-encourage yourself and pump yourself up. The first thing that David did was pray. We have to pray. In verse 7, in the midst of the murderous mobs coming, in the midst of them someone picking up stones, in the midst of all of that pain and him feeling the pain of his sons, his daughter, his wives, his men. I mean, David was also discouraged because seeing his men in pain, the people that he's leading him hurt him as well. So he has this weight. But he says to Abiathar the priest in verse 7, bring me the priest. Bring me the priest of Fog. Bring me the ephod. I'm going to pray. So the first thing you have to do is pray. The first thing you have to do is seek God. 
And the second thing is ask God for direction. I love that David enters into a conversation with God and he asked the Lord flat out, should I chase after the men who attacked our town? Will I catch them? David, in the middle of his discouragement, is not taking matters into his own hands. And I'm telling you here, we, we, we deal with some rooted, rooted issues, right? Many times when we feel disrespected, when we feel discouraged, when we feel attacked by those we love, by those we trusted, because they're grieving, because they're also going through their discouragement, we, take, we tend to take the matters into our own hands and make decisions that bring with them long-term consequences that are not favorable for you and for your family. And we don't ask God for direction. Normal consequences or normal action would be like, well, yes, of course he's good. He doesn't have to ask God, but David knows that he needs the strength of God and God's strength and encouragement so he can encourage the people that he's leading he has to guarantee a victory that's what david is asking lord i'm asking if i if if i chase them will i catch them because if i catch them i know that i can beat them if i catch them i know i can destroy them but i'm not gonna take my men to chase something that cannot be catched if they have to lose then we lose if they have to stay in this discouragement but i can have them reach out and lose another battle i can't put them in that situation that's what david is saying so he says he asked for god for direction and i love it because the third thing that we have to do we have to sit and wait to listen to the lord the lord answered and said yes chase after them you will certainly catch them but this is the most important thing that that we lose out of this he says you will rescue your families the fact that the family were not destroyed, that the women were not killed, that the women were not touched, that, that everything is a miracle because that was not what was the culture to happen. You came into a city, you killed everybody, you destroyed the wives, you destroyed the kids, you destroyed the offspring and you move on. That's what used to happen. That in itself is in a miracle, which means to tell you when you're in discouragement season and things happen, not all is lost, you will recover it all. And the fourth thing that you have to do after you've prayed, after you've asked God for direction, after you listen to the Lord, you have to obey the Lord. It said, so David and his 600 men left Ziklag and went out to do what God had asked them to do. Now, this was not a Goliath facing David. Listen up. See, when he faced Goliath, we don't see David praying. We don't see David seeking God's direction. We don't see him asking permission from God. He was young and he was completely sold out. The Goliath facing David knew God. He had intimacy with God. He was young. He was fresh. He, he, didn't, he wasn't even married. He had no stress in his life but to be completely sold out. And there's seasons in our life where we're completely sold out, where we're so connected with God, where we're so entwined with God, when we're so in tune with what God is saying in our lives that when Goliath says show up, and we just show up to bring out some grilled cheese to folks and a Goliath pops up, something in us stirs up and we go out and we don't have to ask for God because we know what God wants in our lives. But this is a different David. David has gone through some things. 
David has gone through rejection. David has gone through some pain in his life. David has done some things he's not proud of. So he's not sure if what happened to him and his men were consequences or a result of his sin. So now a maturity David falls in and says, okay, God, I can no longer react. I'm not sure. I'm a little bit unsure. Can I, can I come to you, Father? But I love that whether, whether you're in your Goliath-facing season or whether you're in this season in David's life, the results are still the same. Whether you're sold out or you've gone through some things and you're wearing your scars, the recipe is still the same. Seek God and encourage yourself and he will lead you to victory. Well, pastor, what should we pump up to when we're discouraged? What should we pump up to? Well, the Bible gives us the recipe. In Philippians 4.8, Paul writes and says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, if you need to pump yourself up, pump yourself up. In these eight things. True. Whatever is true. What is our truth? That he loves you. He loves you in your depression. He loves you in your discouragement. He loves you in your shortcomings. He loves you in your victory. He loves you when you're praying. And he loves you when you're rejecting. He loves you when you're praising. And he loves you when you're cursing. Just look at Peter's life. Again, he loves you. Whatever is noble. Have you ever seen someone giving up the chair or food for someone else? That's noble. So think about noble acts that have been done to you. Whatever is right, whatever is pure. Oh, come on, man. There's nothing more pure than the smile or a laughter of a child. The purity and the smile of a child, the, the, the laughter. I, I've got my, my, my nephew and my wife has pictures of him smiling and laughing. And I just sit there and watch the video and I just feel encouraged of his laughter encouraging me. His smile, his purity just encourages me. Whatever is lovely, a kiss on the cheek from someone you love. There's nothing more lovely, more intimate than that. Whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent. I don't know you, but there's nothing so excellent as a sunrise or sunset it is just excellent it is just flawless it is just beautiful whatever is praiseworthy being thankful that you're breathing if you're able to hear my voice today without a listening device give god thanks for that you are blessed more than others so if you follow these eight steps to pump yourself up in self-encouragement and encourage yourself if you follow these steps, then you're going to enjoy what David enjoyed. The Bible says down the line, and you can read it as you go along later, he recovered it all and then some. Woo, I love the then some. Because not only did God give him all that was taken, but he gave them even more. So today is the day you pump it up and go claim what is already yours and then some. Let the devil know, I'm going to pump myself up. I'm going to get mine, and I'm going to get some others. Amen and amen. Well, I'm excited. If you enjoyed yourself, I need a favor from you real quick. Please do not disconnect. Number one, 
connect with us on Instagram at RootedFaithTX. All one word. There's a lot of things that are happening. We're adding some more content in there and we want your feedback and want to hear what God is doing in your life. Number two, subscribe to this podcast. That is important for us. We're reaching out to the world. And this last thing, and most importantly to me, share it with someone you know who may need to hear it. Let's build each other up. Let's help each other up and let's help each other get encouraged. Amen. Until next time, remember, stay rooted in faith.